Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 15 of the Huddersfield Tower Social. My name is Greg Moore. My psychic, and as per usual, is Cameron Pope. Also joining me is Sean Antill and Gareth Kay. Um, but I would just like to take a moment right here to ask for your thoughts and prayers for our good friend Ian Kilroy. Not Mr. Podcast just yet, who is in hospital at the minute. Like Virgil van Dyke, he's got an injury. So we're going to don our, um, like Liverpool Football Club, don our needless Pray for Ian t-shirts. So please join us with the hashtag play, Pray for Killer on Twitter. We will take the piss out of him for his inevitable injuries for trying to play football. He will be very pissed off for me for doing that. Anyway, um, it's, it's been a it's been a weird, weird week. Inevitable defeat with a, with, with a shoestring squad midweek, but we're going to focus on the Luton game, which gave us a bit of everything. It was dull at times. It was exciting at times. Town sometimes looked a bit poor at the back. George Monker's goal for Luton proving that, but also looked quite good going forward. Josh Corona, again, the bright spark, but it was Carol Lighting who scored in the second half to give Town a well-deserved point yesterday. Um, Cameron Pope, you were at the game. You saw everything live. You heard the swearing, the effing, the jeffing, and you got to see Carlos Corbran in the flesh. Um, what was the game like for you? Uh, well, Greg, it was a, it was an interesting one. I mean, I've done I've commentated on two Town versus Luton games in the last four months or so, and that was uh, markedly the better of the two, but still not a great game. Which one is an indictment on how poor we were finishing last season? Um, two shows that okay, we, we are moving in the right direction. However. Luton seemed to be turning into a bit of a bogey team for us. Uh, it wasn't quite as uninspiring as that 2-0 defeat back in July. Um, but as everyone saw, they sat deep and were hard to break down. So it was an interesting one to be in the stadium for. It's the first one I've been to since uh, the Norwich game to open the season. So, OK, not not the greatest track record. Um, but no, again, it was enjoyable to watch in the flesh some of the football were playing. I thoroughly enjoyed parts of that match. Uh, it wasn't a dour affair by any means, and it was one of the more exciting 1-1 draws I've seen. Uh, also, I got I was at the right of the front in the press box. I was uh, within earshot of plenty of the uh, well-known town directors, some of which we've discussed on this podcast. Uh, and some quite colourful language. It's good to see on the one hand that um, they've got the passion um that you, that you want from those running the club um i also feel for the poor referee Oliver Langford who i thought got a bit of an earful uh from the ceo uh and uh, from others in his vicinity but okay look shows that they care um i think Tom made life difficult for themselves at times Luton okay they look comfortable and they've certainly got the ingredients to be uh, a team uh, very safe this year um they're a different sign than Nathan Jones but you know we 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 made a rough for our own backs at times. And the goal was a prime example of that. Uh, Richard Stearman, for me, uh, you know I'm a big fan of him. Um, I don't think he put many feet wrong in that whole game, apart from for the goal, which he, do- he dropped a bit of a clangor for, uh, left his man in the box. And then Adama Diakabi was in a different postcode to his. So I don't know what was going on there. Uh, and they made us pay. Um, but look, that gave us the kick up the backside that we needed. We started to create a few chances after that goal. Um, 20 minutes in, wasn't it? And we needed a bit of a wake-up. But I thought the link-up play between Josh Caroma and, and Ari Toffolo was as good as ever. Uh, on a different day, O'Brien 
hits the target when he works it in off the uh, right flank. And yes, okay, the goal was a great move. I mean, you could say free header for Carol Lighting. And if you're looking at that from a Luton perspective, you're going to be quite pissed off. But he has a lot to do from when that ball gets lofted in. And it all came about from some great work between Topolo uh, and Karoma. So, okay, I think on balance, it's one of them on paper you can think, mm, maybe we should have won this. And you know what? We had chances late on in another game with more of the rubber the green. We do take three points from that. But the biggest positive I'll take from that was the response um, to the goal, the way that we grew into the game after that. And I think we finished it as the better side. But there's one thing that is weighing heavily on my mind from that game. Uh, just one thing, one image that indelible I can't shake, right? What the fuck was going on with the Damadier Carby socks? What is that? I, I wasn't even that cold yesterday, was it? It was like eight degrees. It, it was it was nippy, but fucking hell, the speed he runs up down the wing, he should be he should be exuding sweat like no one's business. I didn't even notice it in real time, and then saw the saw the picture on Twitter as I came out of the ground, and fuck me. Seen some like fashion four pars in the football world, but that's just shocking. There's, there's no excuse for that. I mean, the fact to be honest, it's probably diverted the fact from how it's probably diverted the attention of how poor his performance was. So do you know what? It's probably that wonderful agent he's got um, giving him some tips to try and deflect uh, the attention. So I mean, for him, probably a good move. I need to wear some long jumps, does Zara Dharma. You can understand why we're cold anyway. That's why he had him like that. We don't do too much, does he? Poor Adam. Yeah, he didn't have a cracking game yesterday. I mean, uh, always every morning before we do these, refresh with the highlights and uh, uh, bar a couple of deflected shots. He was pretty, pretty naff. And again, that goes down to the, the the lack of strength and depth in our squad. But I was properly impressed with the way Luton set up. And um, again, it's the one thing that Town can't do at the minute. Well, even last season, they couldn't do his break teams down and defend narrow and defend deep. I'm not sure, you know, it's in those moments, you need a little bit of magic to, to kind of get out of that. But teams have seemed to, and I don't want to say been found out, because I don't think we have been found out, because we don't really know what players are going to do half the time anyway. But have we been found out already, we call around? Just sit deep. You know, Rotherham did it to us and it took a deflected goal. Luton have done it to us, but it took a moment of magic from, well, it was, it was another beautiful goal. You know, town don't do dirty, scrappy goals anymore. They just do sexy, liquid football. But have we been found out a little bit? I think it's just formation, Greg, to be honest. I think it is. I mean, I'm not good at maths. I hate numbers, but I think that it's down to formation because it has been a frustrating couple of weeks, couple of games, sorry. It's only been one week. Because uh, Bristol City, you know, I know we're not, going back there, but to arc back to Bristol City in terms of what I'm trying to say, they played a similar formation to us as well. And you get them games where you kind of cancel each other out, either go down to a shit level and you're both as bad as each other, or, you know, you're both playing a high-intensity game, but you're not quite sort of, you know, you're not quite turning the screw as much as you want to do. Now, what I saw yesterday, uh, which I, I mean, I think Cameron had a better experience than me with the bright lights of being inside the stadium, but I was sat at home, I had a, Mr. Bean Omnibus on. Uh, so, But I ended up taking one headphone out. I was getting bored. I thought it was a crap game, to be honest. Um, but we started with a 4-3-3. They started with a 4-3-3. No, no they did a 4-2-3-1, I think. Um, so in the middle of the park, it was a massive clusterfuck, really. It was so tight in there. Nobody could move. There were no breathing space. 
And what have we done so far that's been brilliant? Using the width of the park. Wherever we've played so far, whenever we've got the rub of the green, we've been using Pippa and Toffolo to our advantage. Now, what I was seeing yesterday is obviously we wasn't playing that formation uh, and Toffolo and Pippa was kind of very much sort of enclosed to their defensive duties, so to speak. And whenever Hogg did sort of pirouette outwards, there wasn't the width there, you know, so we wasn't getting in behind them. Everything was in front of Luton. And to be fair, they weren't too savvy because everything that they did was in front of us. So it ended up being quite a poor game in that respect because I thought that the managers would have kind of switched it up a bit earlier. And if you look then in the second half, 50 minutes, sort of 55 minute mark, we switched to a 3-5-2. And then all of a sudden you're seeing Pippa getting forward. You're seeing Toffolo, the king of the cutback, is up there. And then we get a goal. I, I felt like we overcomplicated it and we could have switched it up a bit earlier. Yeah, the game for me was everything I've come to expect of a game against Luton. Um, is that I think it's the third one we've played since they came back up, and it was it was a scrappy affair. I think that suits Luton's and certainly Nathan Jones's way of playing. Um, we started okay. We often puffed. Luton probably had the best chance actually before the goal, uh, where the lad came inside and had a dig with his left foot. Um, but I mean, the goal was horrendous, and that, and I think you know, Cam says we don't we don't score easy goals, and and what seems to be a, a bit of a habit is we do give easy goals away, so we have to work really hard to score a goal, but we don't seem to make the opposition have to do the same level of work, which is disappointing. You know, as you said, Stearman lost his man, probably the only thing he did wrong all day. I mean, dear cat, what on earth was he doing for that? You know, that lad. But that summed up his game yesterday. I thought he looked disinterested. Um, I mean, even even when he was substituted, he, he he looked like a man with the weight of the world on his shoulders. But you know that that probably tells you how thin and skinny our squad is that we're having to rely on dropping the Darmadier Carby in to make up an eleven. Um, we struggle with any rhythm. You know, Luton did what they do like, like Millwall, but we we didn't cope with it quite as well. I don't think they left the foot in quite a lot. I think the ref gave them quite a bit of latitude, um, and they took it. Um, but once we did get going, I thought we we played okay, but. We had several breaks in the second half. We seemed determined to slow it down. When we had, and Campbell got one where he was played in behind the back four and instead of running towards goal, came back inside onto his right foot, which was just bizarre. Um, and really, until the goal, Pippa was anonymous. But I guess that shows quality when, you, when somebody is as quiet as he is for 60 minutes, one moment of magic, he came into the centre of the pitch and created a chance for Toff to cut it back and, and a great header by Iting for the equaliser, you know, that probably shows a lad's level that, you know, he is real quality. You can keep him quiet for 60 minutes and he only needs one chance. And before you know, he scored a goal. So, and we went to three at the back then and we looked better. But I just think it summed up the shortage of quality we have, really. I think physical numbers and quality were all, for, you know, the lack of were all there, were there for all to see yesterday. Um, you know, it was nice to see Danny Ward coming on and getting a bit of a cameo, but he he did nothing. He created nothing really. He ran about a bit, but he didn't get into the game at all. Um, and I think a special mention for me for somebody that that we've been giving a bit of stick to recently, Jonathan Hogg. I thought he had a really good game actually, and I, I guess that scrappy battling kind of a match suits his style. But actually, I thought he got the ball and tried to be positive with it. You know, I thought Iting was invisible at times despite the goal. And Hogg took it on himself. He took responsibility and really led the line yesterday. So I'm with you, Cam. I think you take a point 
and you you move on. I think that's a game we could have won. I also think it's a game we could have lost. So, you know, overall, I was happy with the point, but, I mean, it's not one I'll be watching back again, that's for sure. Oh, I'm not, I still don't know how they got a 10-minute highlight package out of that. Um, extended highlights as well. Um, any, any thoughts on Danny Ward's tash? Not for me, lads, not for me. I mean, it was probably one of the more remarkable things about his performance and his appearance at the end. I think cameo is the proper word to, to pick it up. He, he did his best, what was his name? George Weir's nephew impression, you know, just running after the ball for about 10 minutes. I thought, so I enjoy, look, I, I'm being unduly harsh. He's come back from a long injury layoff and everything. Um, it's probably struggled for fitness for quite a while. So look, it's a good sign to see him get back before the international break and everything like that. And I think it comes at the right time for him. So I say, I say it in jest. But no, the, the tash has got to go. Like he won't be welcome. It's back November. It's I hope November. it is. I, yeah. I, I bloody well hope. I bloody well hope. So. Point actually. <laughs> well, yeah. Yesterday was was remarkable from Danny Walls. Hopefully, November tash to to Damadier Carby's. I just I don't know. That, that lad's a bit special, isn't he? Um, one contentious point. And, Get back serious again. Nathan Jones claimed that Josh Coroma uh, should have been sent off. I, I don't I understand where he's coming from with this. Bollocks, isn't it? Was that that lunge when it was like up the final third and he just kind yeah. of flew away a little bit and he sort of did a lunge? It, it wasn't that bad at all, to be fair. I don't think that was a, a sending off. I think it was more frustration from Josh Coroma like yesterday as well. I think obviously in the formation that we played and, and how the game were panning out, like, agree with Gareth how scrappy it started to get in, in sections that he was finding himself because it was the left of that three he was it was out there all the time it, it was the ball was sticking to his foot he was doing well but he was kind of isolated do you know what I mean and I think in that particular incident um he just lost control it, it got got away from him a little bit and he sort of lunged I think it was just was it one set of studs showing I can't remember but it, yeah I think it one set of studs showing and uh, there were no malicious intent in that well, the ref were right. On, the ref was right on top of it when it happened. Anyway, <clears throat> in fairness to the ref, who sounds like he got some stick in the ground, I actually thought he had a good game. The referee, um, yeah, uh, he he did lunge. But if you watch the replay, although he's all his studs are showing and it looks high, when he gets to the ball, he actually drops his foot to the ground. So, uh, I mean, God, if that if that's what he's clinging on to, then I guess he, I don't know what he's trying to deflect from because that's the sort of thing a manager comes out with when he's deflecting from something. Bit odd. I was disappointed with Karoma. I thought he was up against a pretty industrial right back. Well, I think he's a centre half normally. That lad, um, you know, he's, he came from Halifax. Matt Glennon mentioned seven hundred times on the commentary. He used to play with him at Halifax in in and amongst his Inora means. So you know, I was disappointed. He made it really easy for the lad. The lad showed him back inside every time, and he just came back inside every time. There was only twice he went down the outside of him, and both times he put in a decent cross. And he's got to learn to mix his game up a bit, I guess. You know, he's got to realise when he's getting no joy one way, he's got to try another. And, and I think, it was, was it Killer last week, what to call him, Karoma Grant or whatever it was? Uh, you know, I, I don't know whether he's trying to replicate that, but he's got to have more to his game than just coming back on his right and trying to smash it into, into the top corner. I, I actually was very impressed with with, with with the way he came down that flank. And yeah, you make a good point, actually, guys, because he was he was coming up against, I think it was Matty Pearson, wasn't it, who does normally play at centre-half. They've got a bit of a bit of a crisis at full-back. 
Um, and do you know, I think, okay, yeah, it's a bit of a one-trick pony kind of situation. He likes to work it to byline, cut it back, but he did it excellently at times because Pearson was being really physical with him. Um, on the subject of the, the, the perceived red card, I think that's a load of bollocks. I mean, yeah, it, it wasn't a great tackle by any means, but when you've got okay four it was a kind of game four yellow cards in the first half and he'll use not my yellow highlighter just uh, marking all the cautions on me on my team sheet you know it was it, it was one of them so I, I think everyone's reaction to the comment tells you all you need to know um as soon as everyone heard that Jones was complaining about this red card that should have happened everyone I think everyone has to think back to the actual incident and think what Nah, it was never on anyone's mind. And if there's a red card that's been missed and a clanger that's been dropped, it's at the forefront of everyone's mind coming out of the game. Everyone knows about it. It's it's there. So, no, I don't think anyone really gave it a second uh, a second thought. So I don't think he's got much of a case for that. Uh, but I, I was impressed with Karoma, especially with his, as we said, his build-up play with Ali Toffolo. I think they clicked more than Ian Kilroy's knees on that left flank. You know, they were getting to to byline and working it back and um and that yeah he was unlucky as well on the edge of the area I think he got the ball from people wasn't it about 25 yards out um he wasn't far away he flipped it around the defender really well drew the center back in and whipped it around with the right foot it's only about a yard or so wide and do you know what like there was a time when we were used to be to our great consternation town never used to take shots from outside the area and we've got someone who who can hit them now and so, you know, like, okay, it takes a bit of arrogance, a bit of confidence to be like, right, I'm going to go this myself. But as a young lad, I'm quite pleased to see that people say there's naivety to his game sometimes. And I think, um, okay, Carol Lighting was absolutely begging for uh, the ball at 1-0, wasn't he, going through? And he probably should have given it him, but, you know, that's going to happen. I'm quite pleased that he's taken matters into his own hands and has the confidence to run at defenders and work it to byline. So for me, really pleased with him. Long may it continue. Well, there you go. Well, one all draw, both uh, both Luton and Town, solid in the table. We're thirteenth going into the international break. Could have been a bit of a different story. We'll nip back quickly into midweek, um, and it's it's that point about squad depth that with the Bristol City defeat. Um, we said was it seven seven games in 21, 22 de- uh, days? It was always going to catch up with us, and I, it definitely caught up with, up with us on, on Tuesday night. Um, 60 minutes, we look very comfortable, better team. And then the strength and depth in like Bristol bench. Got quite a few ex-town players, one of them in Jamie Patterson scoring the winner. Um, it's not like Carlos didn't try a couple of tricks, but my my worry now with Huddersfield Town is we've got the coach or head coach, manager, whatever you want to call Carlos, somebody who's got a little bit of the uh, magic dust who can get a lot out of what he's got. Realistically, this this lad's not going to be here past 2022 unless he's going to get properly backed. And when you look at that Bristol City team, compare it to Town, we're not we're not we're not calling for millions of pounds, but it, it, what what Carlos has done with his squad, you just think what what he could do with a little bit more backing, and that game just proved it. We could have taken them three points, but we just didn't have the depth. No, I think that. Um... You're right, and I, I saw well. I saw it in parts yesterday, but I saw it more so the Bristol City game. Um, how tired we looked, um, you know, physically. I mean, the game that we're wanting to play, you do need that squad depth. You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand that. Uh, and you know, it could be just a case of. You know, and I would say in jesting, Wyatt, but someone a bit more of a journeyman that can come on and sort of give hog hog a rest. Do you know what I mean? Um, a striker. Uh, and a winger, um, you know, quite simply, it could make 
could make a big difference. Uh, it is sort of thin on the ground and you can see, and I don't know whether he's trying to mix it up with, with who is playing or, you know, who is resting. Um, and that might be why uh, Diakab is coming into the fold and, and people like that, because he's trying to rest others. Uh, I'm not sure, but, you know, January couldn't come quick enough, really, um, for that kind of thing. Yeah, I, th I thought Bristol City did a real good job on us, actually. I, you know, I think Dean Holden's um, had a bit of a terrible run. I think they won something like the first five or something, didn't they? and then they lost the next four, or it might have been the other way around. But, you know, I, I thought they looked really comfortable. Even at 1-0 down, um, they seemed to be playing like a team that were 1-0 up. They didn't seem to panic. Um, there wasn't a lot of urgency in their play. But when he made the changes, the changes were impactful and they brought on the, the lad up front who causes all sorts of problems for, for the last sort of 20, 25 minutes. You know, you bring on somebody of Jamie Patterson's quality. You know, that, that was a... But again, we were self-inflicted. The goal bounced around in the box, four or five opportunities to get it clear. We don't deal with it and it smashed into the back of the net. So, you know, is that poor defending? Is it tiredness? Possibly. You know, tired minds, tired bodies, <clears throat> but we're definitely short. Um, I know we, he's beginning, as, as Greg's favourite phrase, sounds like a broken record, and it does sound like a broken record. But we've 11 more games now between now and January the 1st. So we've played 11. So that gives you an idea of how long we've still got to go before the bloke's going to be able to bring in reinforcements, assuming A, wants to, and then B, the club will back him to do so. So, you know, still a long way to go yet before we start bringing some more bodies in. So, you know, we've got to pray we don't get many more injuries because I think if we do, we've got real problems. You know, we're nicely sat in mid-table. We all thought the Cowboys were doing a fantastic job getting what they were getting out of the squad. This bloke seems to be getting as good, plus, for me. Um, and, and I'm with you. I think if we don't back him, chances are, uh, you know, a top-end championship club, uh, a Stoke or a Middlesbrough or somebody will pick this lad off and take him and invest in him. Yeah, we're starting to see, aren't we, this season that that squad we had last year and, OK, the, the improvements on it. I still think that we're pretty much the same level in terms of squad, just with a few additions and and a few departures. I think we're starting to see what they're capable of now. We're able to see that, OK, we were capable of more than scraping free of relegation. And so, OK, you might argue that if the Cowboys had had a full season and we haven't given everyone else a nine-game head start, it might be a similar eventuality. Um and it's it's textbook town really, isn't it? And and for me in midweek that just uh, epitomised <laughs> epitomised that. Uh, I didn't actually watch the game. I was commentating on uh, on Blackburn Middlesbrough. Which, I mean, a shocking game by the way. But being a seven forty five kickoff compared to town seven o'clock, I went in for half time. We were one nil up. I thought, oh, it was great. Went to get a cup of tea. Came back to the studio and we bloody lost the game, haven't we? So I mean, it 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 certainly brought me back down to earth after the the, the roller coaster that was the Millwall game. Um, and I think it's just a feeling that every every town fan. Knows as well, isn't it? We'll put um, a great performance in on the weekend. Um, we'll start looking up the table rather than down, and then we have, you know, a, a crushing defeat to bring us there to, to plant our feet solidly on terra firma. So I think with town, it's it's always an eventuality, isn't it? But some wise words said exactly. There still is a long old way to go uh, until January. The international break now coming at the right time. To be honest, I thought we'd struggle more than we did in these seven games in 22 days. We've got through it. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but without serious, serious injury problems, it could have been a lot worse. We said, like Ian pointed out, um, God rest his soul, um, about... Um, 
the importance of Pipa and Toffolo. And we've actually managed to, we've actually, Gas <laughs> is making me off off camera, making the sign of the cross. But um, we managed to, we managed to work um, his way through it and we haven't lost uh, any men really at fullback. But okay, yeah, we need another slice of luck if we're going to get through 11 games and scared now. So that's going to be the real test. Good to see De Haney um, getting a fleeting appearance towards the end of the game and some game time. Um, well, yeah, that's going to be the real test now. So, get some rest of bodies in. It'll be good to have Bayeko brought into the squad. You hear that Kieran Phillips is good enough to be called on. Uh, he was going to be on the bench, wasn't he? Danny Ward wasn't fit. I, I'm, I'm still not sure if that's the right answer to our problems, having to rely on an academy kid. But okay, it's, it's what we've got until January. And if he's scoring seven goals in three games with a B team, then I'm happy to have him near the first team. Uh, until, let me reaffirm, in January, we do need to strengthen. So, yeah, that's going to be a big window for us. Um, I think we just need a bit of a rubber agree now to get us through to it unscathed. I think it's also important to say that it's not disheartening when we lose. We don't need to get too disheartened unless we go in a bad run. And likewise, with victories too, because this is what football's about, mid-table. This is the mid-table, mid-to-lower-end table squad really for being very honest you know there are a lot of teams worse than us in this league we're coming up against one after the international break on Wicker Wanderers and if we we can spank a team like that they'll probably or you know give us a bit of confidence we'll probably then lose the next game to Cardiff or something like that it's just it's just a case of town at the minute um, but we're, we're now going into another period uh, we said 7 and 22 two weeks off Nobody's really going on international duty. And people might be with Spanish under-21s again, maybe, but that's about it. Where, um, you know, it's it's Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday again and uh, for a month. So, you know, I just can't wait for January. I really can't. I just, you know, if we can get into January 16th, 15th, about where we are now, I think we'll be in a great position. And we actually do have a bit of money, money to spend. It'll be uh, up, to the, up to the chairman and that's going to be, his call, isn't it? You know, has he got the balls to back Carlos or not? Because if 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 he keeps the money close to his chest, using the COVID excuse, then you know Carlos could well be gone. And, and I don't think he will. I think you know Ian's always said that Phil always seems to be a smart individual when it comes to ruthless decisions. Phil's even said that himself on BBC Radio Leeds. You know, he's got quite a few of them ruthless decisions right bringing the Cowleys in bringing Carlos in etc so let's be positive we'll be terrible we didn't expect this for this squad did we at the start of the season I think I don't know how many here I definitely backed us for relegation oh yeah it needs to we as a club need to do something in January though because it's just like I say it's the trials and tribulations of being a town fan isn't it you know we just don't ever do things right you know we're always like a hair's breadth away from success and then just either bad management or wrong decisions just puts us back to that seat in the Vulcan with a pint moaning to each other and it's like what could have been well look at the manager we've got in front of us now this guy is class you know he is class you can see it by what he's got out of our players um you know we, we, we sort of go back to the Wagner revolution, which was the revolution, but it was also a bit of a fluke as well. I think we'd all be honest with that, you know, going up with a, a minus goal difference and all that lot. And, you know, if we ever want to get up there again, you know, it's going to have to take investment. That was like one historical sort of pillar in our history, the Wagner time. And if we ever want to get fighting up there, we need, we need a stronger squad than what we've got now. 
You're right, Scott, but we, we don't need to go nuts. I think I said this last week, you know, you look at what we've paid for Peeper, 500 grand, what we've paid for Toffolo, 500 grand. You know, we picked up um, Nabisar on a free, you know, I know he'll be on decent championship wages, but he's a free transfer. You know, these players are out there. We, I don't think that, you know, the club just need to get it in their head. I think the club think we're all expecting them to spend, sign marquee signings and spend one, two, three, five, ten million pounds. That's not what, I don't think that's not what any of us are asking for. Because clearly this bloke can get a tune out of somebody as long as they've got the right basics. And that and that's what the club have got to, con, uh, got to concentrate on. And in fairness, that seems to be the majority of the stuff the people have brought in in the, in the close season seem to be made of the right stuff. And that gives Carlos half a chance to shape them into something. And that and that's what I'm looking for. I, I mean, I'm just looking at the, the two games before 1st of January are Barnsley and Blackburn. So worryingly, we might have two wins just before 1st of January, which will give, give Phil all the excuse he needs. We don't need any more players. <laughs> yeah, you're right. We don't need the... It's not the marquee signings. We, we don't need David Nugent on a free either, do we? You know, we... You know, we, we, <laughs> we it, it, you're right. It's got to be the right makeup of a player you know you sort of maybe look at sort of Eddie Howe at Bournemouth for example like what he did I mean I, I, I didn't know half of them players when they started to come up from League One you know and he, and he got a right group of players together didn't he so I think it is about that sort of adding, adding to what we've got but not not bursting the bank either and I think yeah you're right Gareth that's the vibe that I get from the club is that we've got these stupidly high expectations for these marquee signings and you know, bringing all these big names and it's not, you know, be clever with your recruitment. Look at what you've got and look at what you need to add. Well, Wagner, didn't it? Did it with Lerva, with Ethel, with Schindler? They were, they were, they were exactly what we needed. Leaders, bit of character about them, that kind of signage. And you got that. Peter's got a bit of character about him. I think they were, seem, they were good men, good. Greg. They were good men, Greg. And I think that that's what, that's what Carlos wants. He wants good people. Football. Listen, you've got to be a footballer of a certain level to even get, you know, even be considered for signing for a championship club, unless you're a Darmody Akabi, of course. You know, you got to have a certain level of ability. But Wagner signed good men, and I think that that I think is also part of what Carlos wants, because that's how Bielsa works. You know, it's about characters, not necessarily about about um, their athletic performance, and and that you know the club won't go far wrong revisiting that. You know, as you say, Heffler and and Lerva, never going to be the world's greatest footballers, but you'd want them in your team every week, wouldn't you? Definitely. And that's that's where it all went wrong in Premier League, where you sign people. I mean, even even that first season, the players that were brought in, if you look at Lerzel and Zanker and that, they were good men as well. You know, Zanker had a falling out with Siva, as, as has become very evident uh, in his comments, kind of post-town, and everyone kind of turned on him wrongly. But the, that first season, again, it were good men that were brought in. That second season... Um, with the exception I'm going to say of Mbenzo who seems to be reinvigorated and he seems to really want to prove himself a lot of those players that came in just didn't, didn't really give a shit and it's also getting about getting lads in who, who want to prove themselves and you think about it you know bringing players up from League One Harry Taffler 100 starts consecutively you know, that, that's an amazing achievement and he's wanted to prove himself in this league and he's arguably already one of the best fullbacks in this league um, Ian, Ian you know, keeps saying we have the best fullbacks in, in the division. I mean, Peeper defensively is a bit dodgy for me, but you know, it, it all comes down to recruitment. Myself, it's been our biggest bugbear for a long time, and I think if we can get it right in the next few months, we'll be 
I'd love a top half finish this season and then next season progress on and just be challenging for playoffs. I mean, that's all you can ask for a town fan. We, our aim as a club is still the top 30 in the country. Top 30. So you want to, want to be a top half championship club consecutively. That's all we need to do. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? It's not like we can all play a bloody football manager like we'd, like that bloke in Australia is doing at the minute in his wheelchair. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ian. We'll stop bullying you. Um, quick one to finish. Uh, we finally have some news on the sponsorship. Um, it, positive news. We're going to see a couple of charities on the show, which is always nice. Uh, local business. Ian kind of suggested this last week. Going down the Huddersfield Giants way of doing a raffle. Um, it seems to be town way. So it's great that that's, that's going on. It's disappointing that we didn't get um, a proper sponsor. And, uh, you know, for a for a decent amount of money, but I suppose at this stage of the season it'll have to do what it gents. Um, but I, you know, I'm more than happy to see local charities on my shirt, especially in these times, because I have a couple of mates who work in the charity sector. I used to work in the charity sector myself, and there's a lot of redundancies and there's a lot of struggling for funds. So any any way that that a football club can help is only positive. Yeah, it was the right thing to do at, at this point. I mean, let's be honest, the whole shirt sponsor situation was a mess at the start of the season. There's no there's no dressing that up. Uh, but that's done now and there's no point cracking on about it. Uh, I think that, okay, this was the logical conclusion to come to and I think it's the right one. And so great news for the um, for the charities, etc., who, who who get onto the shirt. Uh, I think, you know, it's a, it's a force for good. I think we've got an outlet and we're using it uh, the right way, especially right now as well. So... Yeah, I, th- I think it's it, it's re-establishing that link with the community, um, which we've banged on about on this show. Myself, I've been a big advocate of, of bringing that back. Um, so again, okay, just extending links out to to to, to Huddersfield and Kirklees, and I think, all right, okay, um, not the way we would have planned it at the start of the season, but uh, time to move forward. And that's not a bad way of doing it. So fair play. Hundred percent agree. Um, you know, we've given the club <clears throat> quite a bit of stick on this podcast. Some of it perhaps fair or unfair, you decide. But, you know, this is, uh, I'm with you, Can we? they need to be getting everybody they can engaged and, and showing support for local charities, especially ones as deserving as, as those that are being talked about, uh, is exactly what I want. And to be honest, it's what I've come to expect in the last 10 years from Huddersfield Town. It probably feels like the most Huddersfield Town thing they've done in quite a while. So, uh, you know, well done to the club, well done to Mr Devlin and Philly. Well, uh well, going to predictions, I know we've got a bloody international break to go in, but um, I think we all need a good break from football, don't we, gents? Uh, town, town play Stoke next. Uh, Stoke are just below the playoff places, the eighth, four points ahead of us. Michael O'Neill's done an amazing job there. Um, really, really great job. Like you said, you know, with the Cowleys last season, uh, Town were 23rd, Stoke were 24th, you know, club clubs in those positions had ever stayed up and both both clubs managed to stay up. I don't know if it says anything about the league last year, but it also says something about the achievements and, and Michael O'Neill's done a great job. I, I mean, I'm looking at that game and I'll take a I'll take a draw, I'll take a point here right now. And um really, really uh, you know, they're a bit inconsistent. Last five games, win, lose, win, lose, win, lose. But um I'll take a point every day of the week. I'm gonna go one all. I'm going to second that, Greg. I'm going to say that I'm still scarred from the uh, afternoon I spent 
uh, at the Bet365 Stadium when we were in the Premier League and Moyes Hollywood baller sent them through for their second goal and they Fucking beat us 2 yeah. it, 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 It's a terrible day. And so I, I always and will forever associate Stoke with that. So it's difficult for me to predict a win. But no, I think I think Josh Caroma will get one for us and I believe it'll be 1-1. One, one. I'm going to go. Unfortunately, it's going to be a loss, guys. I want a draw. I'd take a draw, but I just can't see us beating Stoke. They're they're a better team than us. So Stoke two 0 Yeah, I, I think I'm I'm with you, but I think um, my, it, Michael O'Neill's done an unbelievable job. You think we had a team full of players who didn't want to be there? That bloke had about thirty of them, the team, and then about three teams behind them. Um, he's done an amazing job. I've got a couple of lads who work for me on massive Stoke fans, uh, and he's really starting to get them them singing they've got high hopes of this season so I think uh, I can't see anything other than a, a defeat in that I think they'll probably have a bit too much quality for us going forward so I'll say 2-0 Stoke Yeah Stoke City will always be that same game camp for me as well uh, admittedly those Stoke fans were quite nice and I won about 300 quid that day on, on the horses but um that got pissed away on that terrible performance and I'm never, ever going to Stoke again. But there you go, a bit, a bit of realism to finish. Um, we know what we are now, don't we? Mid-table team, trying to succeed, whatever. Thank you very much, gentlemen, for this short podcast. Um, it's, it's nice not to be whinging for an hour and 15 minutes, me having to edit it all down. So, uh, you know, aren't we all in a fantastic position? And and, and may God rest Ian Kilroy so. R.I.P. Killer. R.I.P. Killer. Good luck, Ian. Plenty of veg. Don't be eating any more biscuits, Ian, because your knees are made of them already. <laughs> yes. Um, the uh, the former professional footballer, or semi-professional footballer, Ian Kilroy, we think about you. Uh, thank you very much, Cameron. Again, Sean, always a pleasure to hear your dulcet tones and gas. Good to see your Tony Soprano poster in the background. <laughs> we'll be back in a few weeks' time. Enjoy your break from football. I think we need one. Uh, and then we'll be back to paying 20 quid a week on bloody Eiffel. All in Premier League fans whinging about 15 quid. Go swivel. We have to pay 10 quid. What are you whinging about? Goodbye. <laughs>